Yvante, do monks stick to their clique <laughs> in most monasteries? And is there politics among monks too? What are the things that uh, you, had not you had not expected when you ordained? Oh, it uses this question. <laughs> is it really good for me to answer this? What do you think? Is this going to help people's meditation if they hear the answer? Um, for, perhaps if it, if it shows us what guided you to your position at that time. I think everyone has their own personal story as to why and when certain things happened in their lives. How about I answer the last question then? What are the things you had not expected when you ordained? Because honestly, I I didn't have very high expectations when I ordained. Partly because I had no knowledge of Buddhism, which... Ah, uh, no, sorry. Sorry, ordained was much later. When I first started practicing Buddhism, uh, I had no expectations or no knowledge of Buddhism. And so... I, I don't know that ordination is a different issue. It's maybe the more interesting one, but if I can just get the other part out of the way, is that um, I first of all, I had no expectations of how monks should act. I was offering monks food in the afternoon and was confused as to why they weren't why they weren't accepting it. Um, and and also because I saw a lot of things that before I ordained that. Um, totally made it made it to totally perfectly clear that at least in the area of the world where I where I was at the time and the buddhist world that I was revolving around didn't have very high standards and so had a lot of problems and and so on um my first teachers were lay people and that added to it because their understanding and and not understanding but their one of the things that they they um, they adhere to or hold hold strongly is the idea that you don't have to ordain that there's not any intrinsic benefit in ordaining, which is technically true. You know, a lay person can be as pure as a monk, um, but they emphasized it, and so that sort of emphasis leads you to have some sort of disregard for the monastic life um, and the monkhood. And so I didn't have expectations. I saw, you know, yeah, a lot of monks are just corrupt and so on. And so on. Um, but after I ordained, you see, this is two years later, so in my situation it's not that profound of an, of, of an experience. After I ordained, one of the things I didn't expect was <clears throat> the fact that I had to be different, or as different as I had to be, or in the ways that I had to be different from lay people. You, you, of course everyone has the idea and really feels that they're becoming something different and knows that you have to be different as a monk. But I caught myself acting a lot like a layperson in 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 many ways, um, 
and working very closely with lay people because my teachers were still lay people and that kind of took me by surprise the fact that I really shouldn't be doing that it was I shouldn't be have been in such close relations with lay people um, and I certainly shouldn't have been acting so much like a lay person it took me by surprise I don't know that it took me by surprise but one thing that slowly dawned on me and yeah it did take me by surprise when I found myself unable to um, break rules when I found myself unable to justify breaking the rules anymore which I know good monks who do justify breaking the rules uh, minor rules their whole lives but uh, because of my western upbringing and because of the stubborn Taurus that I am just the kind of person that I am I've got this kind of, well, and most most Western monks get this this kind of irreverence for authority but um, ambition or I don't know what the right word is the uh, zeal to do something a thousand percent so for some I, and I guess those two those two qualities exist in in western monks to different degrees or in monks in general to different degrees but with westerners some westerners have just this total disregard for authority so don't care about the rules and and but don't have the ambition to do things perfectly uh, so they say yeah meditation's enough i mean what do you need all these rules for but people like me with both of them which are kind of conflicting you don't care about the fact that everyone else is breaking the rules you want to do it fully in a hundred or a thousand percent and often the fact that everyone else is breaking the rules will obnoxiously lead you to lead you to obnoxiously decide to keep the rules flying fully in the face of your monastic community which is really not a fun situation yeah, it's kind of fun it's fun to be hated by everyone in your monastery in, in that sense um, which I certainly have been in my time. Do you feel? Um, do you feel that some of the archaic uh, practices, and rules, and regulations of current Buddhism? Do you, do you feel that since it's like you know twenty five, twenty six hundred years mm -hmm. old? You think some of those ideas are are detrimental to the growth of modern day Buddhism? No. No, I don't think, don't think so. No, I think what's detrimental is people's belief that it's uh, detrimental. The people's belief that it has to change. Because if we decided that no, they're good and they don't have to change, then the Buddhist culture would would very quickly and very easily work to to accommodate them. They're not the Buddhist monastic rules are not difficult to accommodate. Sometimes you might have to stretch or even break knowing that you're breaking them in certain situations. Um, you, you don't have to, but sometimes you will. Like for example, I might stay in an apartment uh, building um, and some people might say that's breaking the rule. I might even break the rule by staying in I don't know, I mean, there are ways around some of the rules that are kind of silly, like you're not allowed to stay in the same residence as a layperson. But what that means is you're not allowed to be lying down at sunrise. 
So if you get up and sit up before sunrise, you've you've not spent the night with a lay person, for example, uh, a lay man, a lay woman. You can't even lie down together. But that's that's not really the point here. The actual rules themselves, I can't think of even one where I would really say definitely that has to go. Most especially the not touching money one. I mean, that's the big one that people harp on, but that's such an intrinsic, even today it's such an intrinsic part of the monastic life. And it's really not difficult if you... The problem is finding a, a community that is supportive. One thing I will admit is um, a lot of the um, modes and behaviors that are expected of Buddhist monks are uh, under the assumption that you're living in a in a in a society that provides alms to holy people. So in India, not just Buddhists, but holy people, or, or not even holy, but people who are trying to become holy or living in a holy way, like shamans, shramanas, um, were able to get by, and even today are able to get by in India. So these guys go around uh, begging for money or begging for food in, in, in many different sects in, in India, not just Buddhists. Uh, now Buddhists don't. But uh, that, you know, that's what I'm facing now going to Canada because I can't go to Canada and just go alms around on the street. I can't go to Canada in the same way as I would go to Thailand. If I want to go to Thailand, I just go to Thailand, find some place and decide that I'm going to live there. And nowadays it's much more difficult. You can't really do it. But in olden days, you could just do that. Set up your tent, set up your, you know, put your robe over you at night. And um, you, you get alms food, you get enough food to eat. In Canada, I won't get that. And so, the ch it's challenge. It's a challenge. But you, you, you look at the two different sides of the coin. Trying to keep the rules is a challenge. Breaking the rules is a disappointment, is a corruption. It means your monk life is going to suffer. In, in, in the sense of how you look, to how you how you present what a recluse is, what a monk is, um, how people relate to you, how they respect the uh, life of a dedicated um, Buddhist meditator, how they respect the teachings, how they look at the teachings and so on, and how you yourself live in terms of your peace of mind and your ability to grow. So the challenges are far more appealing. Right. And so it's it's not two sets of challenges. There's not much challenge in breaking the rules, but suddenly you have corruption sneaking in in terms of how people look at you and how it, they look at the Dhamma, how they look at Buddhism, how, how the community is set up and how people feel about what they're doing. Um, most, people, you know, most people in the West don't get this because they've never really had the experience of either being a monk or even living with a monastic community. I don't know that I'll ever provide that because look at me, I use computers and stuff. But uh, what I do provide is people a sense, people who are, who are interested in it, because some people really do chastise me for not touching money, but for those people who get into it, um, especially Asian Buddhists who have never really 
who who have you know been accustomed to monks who don't keep the rules find it ex you know refreshing to know that the monk that they're dealing with this teacher that they have has no money and doesn't take money and doesn't have any interest in money and relies entirely you know subsists entirely upon what he is uh, provided with what is donated to him for that day so is not able to choose his meals is not able to to um, differentiate between food or or or, or keep or, or or hold on to um, these sorts of things and so I found it been an incredible support for my practice and a incredible support for my um, my work as well because people really want to I've, I've seen people who really want to support me um, you know for two reasons I'm thinking of Asian Buddhists who really want to support me for the fact that I teach meditation but also very much for the fact that I keep the rules strictly because they know that they can trust me or they're more likely to believe that they can trust me they feel it's more likely that I can be trusted well, so much of that concept in the western world is so foreign to us outside mm -hmm. of the probably the Catholic faith which still has nuns and monks mm -hmm. and monasteries and so forth yeah. but I think um, they have become so modernized mm -hmm. in most of their dealings with the public there's a few that are I guess they're clustered but most of them are, are out in, in public and they're quite different really from from Buddhist monks their activities particularly in other countries but uh, outside of that, so many of the people in the United States are of the opinion that any teacher that they may have, whether it's a preacher or a rabbi and so forth, first of all, they're usually married, they mm -hmm. have children like normal people, they hold down a job like normal people, they have a normal home, normal yeah. lifestyles and everything. And that's what the populace of the Western world looks toward, looks to. That's interesting. For their inspiration and for their teaching. So, and that's what they outside of that norm becomes. Yeah, it's totally foreign to yeah. us. And that's a good reason, I think, why they would why they would be more f comfortable with a lay Buddhist teacher, even in, in, in which you find in some circles. Um, but w one one I think quick defense to that or quick response to that is what we're teaching is quite different you know what we're teaching undercut or cuts away or or tears away the concept of marriage right um yeah sure as a buddhist you can be married and have sex and so on but it's quite clear even from the outset that that's a part of what we're trying to give up where it's not in Christianity, it's not in Judaism, it's not in any of these religions. So that, you know, and so much, you know, how, how clear Buddhism is about giving up attachment. So, um, yeah, you can have a teacher who plays tennis and has a wife and, or a husband and, 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 you know, a car and money and, and, and a television and so on. But, Unlike religions that don't specify the need to give up attachments, here we have a, a conflict, right? Here we have a teacher who's teaching giving up attachments and clearly isn't interested in giving up 
attachments or is only gone halfway. So yeah, they can teach, sure, and they could be great people, great Buddhists, but they can't be considered to be the ideal or to be, be striving for the ideal because they're not striving. Or, you know, could be, but not obviously striving, anyway. And I, it's not clear, because lay people can be good teachers and can be perfect Buddhists, but you see what I'm getting at. It's, there's, there's a lot more required in Buddhism, so... I, I, I understand and agree, and agree with that, but on the same... So many people, I think, in the Western world um, of the, are of the opinion, right or wrong, that how can you tell me how to live my life as mm. a lay person? You're not a lay person. <laughs> right. You haven't experienced this. Yeah. They look at that a lot of times, I think, with Catholic point. priests. Sure. Hey, you're not a father. You're not sure. a parent. Yeah. You know, you're supported by the church. You don't work for your own living. How can you come back then and try to teach and tell me yeah. that you're not experiencing that? You don't have the experience to tell me as a married parent working there, yeah. you know, there's almost like a disconnect. For sure. Well, in, in that situation. For sure, and and I totally am willing to, on the one hand, admit that, and I could even, you know, entertain an answer by saying, yeah, sure, because that's not what I'm, I'm telling you to do. I'm saying give up your married life and become a monk. <laughs> so you can take that tack. Um, most most Buddhist monks and Buddhists go the other way and claim to have some knowledge to provide for for married life, which is kind of disappointing because they go far too much to that degree and they say, yes, yes, I'll teach you how to be a good lay person. And you've got a good point there. How can a monk do that? But I think more important than that is how can you do that when that's you know going in the wrong direction you know yes you can accept the fact that they're lay people with wives and children and 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 or husbands and children or so on but um no, that's clearly not what you are should be you'd be preaching now or or it should not be all of what you're preaching and if someone has a really really bad married life you should be you should really include at least include in your teaching the option that they might give it up and become a monk because that really is what the Buddha prescribed as the ideal. Now, there are other arguments you can give to that. I think um, the fact that a person is not, um, you know, there, there's, um, I read this thing where this man who was a bachelor was very able to describe married life because he was outside of it, because he had never been married. And so he was able to show people what they couldn't see because they were looking at it from the inside. And uh, there's that argument. I don't. I'm not going to push that that sort of argument. I'm fully willing to accept the fact that I don't have much knowledge of how to raise children. But it doesn't seem to get that much in the way. And I don't feel feel, you know, or I do feel quite confident giving general Buddhist advice to parents and children. But, you know, as I've said before, in the end it just gets too complicated for me and I just say, you know, look, if you really want the answer, it's to give this all up and don't don't get involved with it. You know, how can I, how will I raise my children? Don't have children. <laughs> yeah. Here's a question along those very same lines. Okay, wait, let me stop this one. <laughs> 